0: You're listening to MHD Off the Record, South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Tanisha Hall, founder of the Whitehall Arts Academy, a performing and visual arts education facility here in South Los Angeles. Founded in 2011, The Whitehall Arts Academy offers a blend of classical and contemporary arts training to children and adults. Tanisha is a graduate of Berklee College of Music with an instrumental focus on voice. She has been teaching private lessons since 2002 and has enjoyed a 15-year career in the music industry before starting Whitehall Arts Academy. She, along with her team of highly talented and qualified instructors, specialize in teaching voice, various musical instruments, studio engineering, stage performance, acting, videography, songwriting, microphone technique, music production, and so much more. Enjoy the show. So I'm so glad to have you here, Tanisha. Thank you, Siobhan. Let's talk a little bit about your background and how you started Whitehall Arts Academy. So you already had a 15-year career in the music industry before you founded your organization and your school, essentially, your academy. What made you want to start that, and what were you doing before?
1: So before I worked in the music industry, I moved out here when I graduated college from Boston, and I was working in the industry. I worked in A&R, music production, um publishing I worked in almost every facet of the music industry through those years and at the very tail end I was doing two different things I was working with one of my really close friends from college who's now the musical director of the Black Eyed Peas so I was running his music production company and he was one of will um will iams like collaborators. So they work together on like the end album and all that. so we're doing that. And then I also was working with the Shaka Khan Foundation and I was managing special events for Shaka's Foundation and kind of overseeing one of the programs, the Shaka Believes program, where we work closely with kids in Watts at um, Charles Drew Middle School and John Muir Middle School. And we would take kids every week, like two days a week, we would take them to USC to be tutored. And we the program was all about access. So it was like Shaka believes everyone can go to college. So we adopted this class of sixth graders and we, you know, the mission was to see them through high school. So before then, because I'm not a native from Los Angeles, you know. You could
0: have fooled me because you seem pretty dedicated. A lot of people think that I'm a native. So
1: my my mother grew up here okay, and then she and my father moved. My dad was in the Marine, So we moved, lived all around. So we were, my family was living in Massachusetts when I went to college. And then we moved out here because my dad retired. I graduated and we relocated here. Um, So I, you know, I'm familiar, but I didn't really know of the great disparities that were happening. So with Shaka's Foundation, we were, you know, intimately involved with those kids. And, you know, it went beyond the program because then I'm looking at weekends and, you know, we're taking them places. And, of course, the kids whose parents didn't pick them up were taking them home and just seeing like, you know, I never knew like what the projects were out here because on the east coast projects look like projects you right. know like it's like the brick building and it looks really creepy out here when i took one of the kids home i was like why do those buildings have numbers on it? and she was like that's the projects i say y'all projects look like condos <laughs> <laughs> where i came from the projects don't look like condos right but what's inside the projects happening is still projects you know right and so they're they're You know, and then getting involved with the schools and seeing like the disparity that's happening in the schools. And again, not growing up here and growing up in like middle-class suburban Massachusetts or in these areas, there's so much available, so much available. In high school, I took choir music production, I mean, video production and um, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And here, these kids don't have anything, nothing to look forward to, nothing to make them engaged and want to go to school. So doing that is what kind of got me involved. So then after after a couple of years, Shaka decided that she needed to kind of shift her focus and, you know, wasn't going to focus on doing that program with the foundation any longer. So I needed to do something else. And I had one of my side hustles. I had been teaching music out of my home, started in my parents' home, transitioned to my home. And so I needed to make more money. And so that's when I started teaching more and then I got more students and it got to be a little bit too much for my home. And I became a foster parent in 2005. So then
0: my... Um, you were you know, taking on a lot.
1: <laughs> I just do stuff. <laughs> so I was foster parent. So then my kids were bigger. And so I'm like coming home and like, you know, my kids are home. My students are there and they're like... We wanna eat. And I'm like, okay, y'all need to leave me alone. <laughs> so I needed to separate church and state. And so I one like day... how you phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it up. So I, the building that we're in on 54th Street, my grandparents purchased that building in 1978 to house my grandmother's beauty salon, the White House Beauty Supply and Beauty Salon and Supply. So one day, February 2011, I went down there to visit my grandmother and just say, what's up? And I was like, oh, this is a commercial building. So I asked her if I could use the address. As my business address until I figured out what I wanted to do or found a space to rent, you know, and my grandmother being a fellow hustler was like, well, if you're looking for a space to rent, my tenant on this side is about to leave so you can rent this side. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to build a music school. So that's what I said in February 2011. I'm going to build a music school and then um, scraped up my little money, Um, didn't do loans, just use all money, scraped my money up and started renovations in August 2011 and taught my first lesson there September 12th, 2011. Wow, so that is kind of the transition of because when um and also like the black IPS, um, they decided to go on hiatus so you know Keith needed to kind of refocus his stuff and so everything I was doing kind of just immediately went on to like freeze
0: it's almost as though the universe was kind of, Putting you in that position. It's- well, I'm a I'm a Christian, so I believe okay. that God aligns God. my
1: life. <laughs> so okay, fine. you know, and there's a saying that Oprah said one time, you know, and I had been kind of getting little whispers. It's like it's time to transition, it's time to change. Mm-hmm. And um when Hillary Clinton was running for president back mm-hmm. in like 20, 2009, I went to one of the events and they gave out a certificate for a free life coaching session. So I took advantage of it. I called the lady and we were talking, and she said, you know, it sounds like What you need to do is do for yourself what you're doing for everyone else, she said. And I promise you, I shouldn't say this because I'm not going to make money because you don't need a life coach. You just need to do for you what you do for everyone else. And she was like, you will see success unimaginable. And but that was in 2009. I still didn't do it because I was committed to what I was doing and it took God to basically shut everything down for me to be able to get aligned with where he needed me to be and what the next phase of my life was.
0: And that's more so what I was saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like all these circumstances, sometimes in the moment, and I don't know what you were feeling when, when things had to shift for you, right? So I know sometimes people, you know, you get laid off from a job or, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship ends or something happens that at the moment might not always seem like a blessing. But oh, sometimes yeah. it's a blessing in disguise because it can push you to where you really should be right, exactly. So Your true purpose is right, and it seems like this is something that was definitely brewing underneath, mm-hmm. and you just needed that moment to happen to say, Okay, I really gotta push and do this, yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? It's like, yeah, the foundation had to shift focus or shock us organization, and you know, Black Eyed Peas on a hiatus, but we're in 2023 and you have this. Academy that has helped. I, I looked on your website, it's over five thousand students. I know it's unbelievable. Now, I'm and sure the only it's reason past we five thousand that now. it's that amount is because of
1: the database you know, <laughs> <laughs> of people who have registered. And I was like, dang, we got a big database. And then you start looking, and it's crazy because I'll go places, and now we have we're getting like second generation. So students that we've had, they've had kids, and now their kids are our students.
0: Which is wild because you there's no way because you look like you're about 20 yourself. So no. <laughs>
1: yesterday I turned forty six, so no yes, way. we're we're in this, yeah. we're in this, well, and that's the one thing. Happy just, birthday! Also, thank you so much. <laughs> but I think the pandemic really did for a lot of people what happened for me back in twenty eleven. You know, was forcing a shift, and you know, people kind of were like, even people living here in LA, like, ah, this isn't really working for me. This is where, I, and we were talking yesterday about how many people. Just shifted from Los Angeles and went other places, and now their lives are growing and blooming and flourishing, you know. And sometimes we can get attached to something because we're there, we're loyal to it. I mean, I probably would have never left the things that I was doing because I was there. I love. It's not like my life wasn't great and I wasn't. You were enjoying, enjoying it. it. I was enjoying mm-hmm. it. I was successful, but there, it's it's a different thing now. And it's not to say that what I'm doing now has been like peaches and cream and roses. It's been, you know, for a while, me and my kids had to, you know, eat noodles and stuff to survive. And I was renting out part of my house on Airbnb. You know, things got kind of tough, but but God works it all out, brought it all together. And, you know, and we're going through shifts now because of this wonderful rain we've had, part of the building is falling apart, you know? So it's like, okay, next shift, next pivot. So, um, but just staying focused and just being open. That's the one thing I learned is just like kind of being open to those nudges and, you know, as, as those doors open. And, um, last thing I'll let you go to your next question is, (laughs) <laughs> i like to think of you know they, the scripture says walk by faith not by sight and i like to think walking by faith is the michael jackson billy jean video like when the little squares light up and it's like the square lit up and i was like okay step on this square and like you don't know what the next square is but the next square lights up and you step on it and that's been my journey with whitehall arts academy it's just like the squares light up and i'm like okay this is where we go now so um we have a little bit more illumination now, <laughs> but that's <laughs> A little more illuminating
0: your path. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. see more. You can
1: see more down the road. <laughs> but in the beginning, it was like just darkness and like a lit up square. So,
0: um, yeah. But the other thing I want to highlight is that you also were able to see the need. Mm-hmm. And able to say, okay, I've been blessed with this, with my education, with my experiences. Because you said you, where you were from, you, you saw, you had access to things Mm -hmm. and you were able to see where people, young people didn't have access to those things. Yeah. And you were like, okay, I've been blessed. How can I be a blessing to others? And then you were able to create even more from that. That's another beautiful part of that story is that you saw a need on your website. In fact, I saw that you um, said that South LA was an arts desert, mm-hmm. and I'm very curious to know it what you was meant by that. It was in 2011. At that time, and, right when you and first it first started yes. in 2011. And to and be clear, so people understand understand what we're saying by that, there was this was also a time when uh, a lot of the programs have already been taken out of the schools. Right. Arts programs have been taken out of the schools. I'm also I'm a kid of the 90s, mm-hmm. so a lot of that was gone. Right. <laughs> After school programs have been shut down. Right. Right. So that's what and I'm just kind of lay the land of what right right you're, you're talking about. I mean about. now
1: It's a flourishing garden and 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 myself and there's so many the the movement was happening collectively. There's a lot of us like Fernando Pullum, like we all like he started to community arts around the same time. A lot of us that's in the Mert Park. So I believe a lot of us kind of were filling that pool at the same time. And you know, when God is doing something, he doesn't do it like unilaterally. He does it on, you know around you know across the board right and those many are called but few are chosen those of us who chose to listen and chose to heed the call have been the ones who have been helping to change that narrative and um you know and now seeing the narrative being changed in LAUSD where they took the first thing that got cut was arts and now they've injected all this money to see that our children need arts to thrive I was I started playing piano when I was 1 years old. I started singing, so I was a musician, very introverted, shy little piano girl. And in high school, I did choir, I did everything and I was very introverted and the music room, the choir room was like my safe space. And if it wasn't for that space, I don't know how I would have gotten through. And having those opportunities to perform, I remember one time I performed as my first time at school performing singing and playing the piano. And I got so nervous. And because my friends were there. It's different. Like I grew up singing and playing at church. There's nothing that's church, whatever. But I'm like at school, like, singing and playing this song. And I was so nervous and my hands were just shaking crazy. And I started singing. And then I just started crying. And then I ran off the stage. And my mom was like, What is that? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, and I was like, I don't know what happened. But those having those opportunities helps build you and, and create you and and mold you for the future. And then it's like, okay, that was a complete bomb. I got to try again. So next time I do better. right? Right. And these kids don't have those opportunities. Right. They don't have those opportunities to help develop them to be the amazing adults that we have grown up to be. And that's what I saw because me growing up as a musician was more than just me being able to play the piano or sing. It develops so much in your like having the memory, like especially with music your spatial development, when it comes to your memory, when it comes to your ability to multitask, when it comes to all these different things. So that's what I saw is missing. And then when you see what's happening when they're getting older, where are they going? Where are the youth of LA going, right? They don't have careers. Like there's a very few that are going to college, but the most of them are just sitting around and then they're following the generational patterns of having more kids, staying on social services and all of that. And what I really want to do is help to break those generational patterns and break those generational curses. And if it's broken in one person, then that's success.
0: I love what you're saying because I hear hear what you're saying. And that is, you know, we have so many young people that have, you know, the talent is there. We know that they have the talent because we see our young people create all the time. But how do we make sure that they hone their skills? How do we make sure that they are able to develop those skills? How do we make sure that, these young people are able to develop the ability to perform in front of other young people. Because one thing when you're, you know, we've seen it. We go mm-hmm. to the play yard. They're performing for their friends on the play yard. They're singing. They're telling jokes. Right. Or in front of the classroom when they're not supposed to. Right. 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 And right. Um, we see them create. But then what happens when it's like, okay, you can actually make this a career. You right. can actually do something with this, right? Or even if you don't necessarily make it, make it a career, it's something that can help develop you as a speaker or something, you know, further down in your life. But we have to be, have the infrastructure to support that, mm-hmm. right? How do we cultivate that in our young people? right? You know, Arts Desert being a space where that doesn't exist, we don't have the infrastructure to support our talented young people, especially mm-hmm. our young black and brown folks mm-hmm. here in South L.A., right? who are always creating, our people are creators. That's what we do. Well, that's how
1: our, if you go back and you look at, you know, us in our native cultures, us, Native Americans, South Americans, are, we communicated through stories. We communicated through music. The Europeans communicated, they're the ones who created the written word, right? They created by, they communicated by writing it down. That's why their stories have been held. Because they they created language, they wrote it down. Our stories were were passed on orally, mm-hmm. oral tradition, through music, through drumming, through all those things. And once they got, once there was a separation and an interruption, we lost the stories, we lost the communication. And that's why the arts to me has been so important. You look at when you come into black and brown communities, you see the artwork all over, you see, and it's when it's unrestrained and it becomes tagging and all the graffiti. But when you put education with that and they learn how to do it properly, it's so awesome because that's how we've always just intrinsically in us. That's how our bodies communicate. We communicate through stories. And I feel like that's why when those arts got taken out of the schools and it got taken out of the foundation, why so many of us stopped thriving. Mm. And we have a huge generation of people who were not given the tools to really thrive at their fullest extent. One of the things I'm on now is college is not for everyone. So you know I'm I'm 46 from the different world, you know, human. Oh yeah, BHBCU, Everybody, show to go to college, go to college. You know, children of baby boomers. They wanted all of us to go to college because they felt like that was the way. Right. College is not for everyone. Everyone is not intellectual, but some people are workers. But guess what? We've been forcing this narrative of college and abandoning these other really lucrative careers like plumbing, electrician, contracting, right? Someone might not be able to be smart from reading a book and memorizing that information and translating it. But if you show them how to fix a pipe, they're killing at that. My plumber is rich. (laughs) (laughs) He makes a lot of money, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, we're missing, so our young men- you know, are missing a lot of entrepreneurial opportunities because we're telling them go to college, go to college instead of like get a trade, learn how to use your, you know, what's going to happen when we run out of mechanics, when we run out of electricians, when we run out of plumbers. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my new thing because I have a 20 year old son, mm-hmm. right, who is very smart, but the the college thing is just not for him. So it's like, okay, what are you into? You know, so we're exploring like plumbing, barber, all these amazing entrepreneurial careers that he could do that utilizing his skills because he follows directions really well. And there's still creativity in that. Right. And a lot of those trades are passed down
0: orally. And the other thing is, I think we tend to minimize what skill sets mm-hmm. um, exist in various other fields. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually had on uh market savage from get in the game, Inc mm-hmm. who, uh, it- if you guys want to listen to past episodes, I'm always going to plug our past episodes, go go back and listen to that episode. He talks about um, the construction field mm-hmm. and the opportunities that exist there. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't know what exists there, mm-hmm. but we've also talked to artists and muralists like mm-hmm. Lily Flores. She talked, she pointed out the fact that we don't even talk about the fact that when you're a painter, you're using geometry, mm-hmm. right? You are a chemist. Right. Right. Um, and I would say even same thing with music. I think mm-hmm. we've, historically have music minimized is the sound of math <laughs> we but we've minimized even s- careers and skill sets in music you can't do anything with that it's too competitive in that world mm-hmm. you can't be entrepreneurial you can't be entrepreneurial in that space without even looking at the fact that there are so many careers in music that's more than just being the next beyonce right. Right there's so many there's music in everything mm-hmm. there's art, like like there's art in everything exactly and we don't even think about it I remember watching an interview with um I think it was David Banner he said I'm mm-hmm. making I'm making more music making I'm making more money making music for Gatorade commercials right. And you don't Video even know games, scoring movies, right? right. Um, and and I, I know that you also are an instructor for music production, mm-hmm. right? And you don't necessarily have to have a top degree to do that. No. So, But people don't realize that. Yeah. So I'm interested in knowing more about how you talk about the opportunities that exist in the music industry. Because you've worked, not, on, you, not only are you a singer, but mm-hmm. you also worked in A&R. You've worked in various aspects of the industry. So how do you talk to young people about the opportunities that exist even in the music industry? The music industry is a really weird place right now. Oh, right now has changed so much. Right now. Especially with things being digital. It's a really weird digital. place right yeah. now.
1: There's still a lot of opportunities to have a wonderful life as a musician. But as far as you pursuing a career, being the next Beyonce, it's a weird space because digital music really changed the game and opened up the floodgates, right? So now you and I, we can sit right here and we can record a song and put it on Spotify and you know, and now we're in the in the same running with Beyonce. It's never before in life been a thing. Before we needed record labels and we needed record companies, they were the gatekeepers. You know, it's like, where is the money? The money is in, is in syncing. So like you said, there's music and everything. So the money is in syncing your music with some type of other media. So syncing your music with video game, syncing your music with commercial, syncing your music with all this MIDI that's being created like these, like Tubi, all these shows on Tubi, right? They're blowing up. All those shows have music in them. They don't have a lot of money, right? So they're not trying to pay Beyonce $50,000 to use her song. So they'll pay you $2000 to use a song that kind of sounds a little bit like a Beyonce song <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you know but it doesn't have any publishing or anything att- attached to it so if you now you have this little kind of sounds a little bit like a Beyonce song and you get that song and you have 10 of those songs and you license them for $2000 you've now made $20,000 of course you really made $10,000 cuz you have to share it with Uncle Sam and all this type of stuff. But just imagine if you have 40 of those songs, if you're just making music. So putting them up on, you know, releasing your music and trying to be a star, there's something there's there. But if we look at Lizzo, Lizzo had been putting out music for years. Yes. And the song that blew up was a song that she had released, I believe in like 2017. The song did not really blow up until it got synced with that Netflix movie that came out at the top of the pandemic. Perfect song, perfect movie, perfect placement. To really show us, she had been doing that. Right, she wasn't new to this. So she actually heard this. the
0: song years before years it got before. popular. That's right. But it
1: got synced with that media, and that opened up. So that's why Lizzo was able to walk in that space and just blow up because she was ready. She was ready. It wasn't. And that's the thing I feel a lot of people are not getting ready. They're not doing their work. So you have to be ready. So when that opportunity does come, you can walk into it.
0: And how do you get ready? You go to the white. Arts <laughs> go to Whitehall Academy, Arts Academy. And, I, and and we, I want to piggyback off of that point about being ready because part of what you do is you do prepare students to be performers because mm-hmm. you also teach performance yes you don't just teach the the technical skills right as far as you know how to play the piano or how to sing with your voice how to actually get up on the stage and perform it and how to use a microphone mm-hmm. properly. All that's important too because I've definitely been to shows mm-hmm. where somebody can actually sing when right. they're not in front of a microphone. Right. Then they get on the microphone and they sound they totally to different. Right.
1: Because this microphone is a piece of equipment. Yes. And you have to know, like, these are your tools. Just like if I'm a construction worker, I have to know how the jackhammer works and I don't have to know how to use it. And I use a jackhammer differently than I use a ball peen hammer, Right. They're both hammers, but they work differently. So the same thing, like this microphone in a studio is a very different instrument than a handheld microphone that you're going to use at a show. And you have to use it differently. You have to speak or sing into it differently because one is more sensitive. You know, one will pick up different things. Like a studio mic, if you have it right in front of your mouth, you're going to pick up all the smacks and, you know, it's just too sensitive. But those handheld mics, if it's too far away from your mouth, then you're going to miss certain frequencies because sound is frequencies. And when you're a singer, you want to get all the good stuff, all the good frequencies, right? So you want it to be a certain distance from your mouth to get all that good stuff. So we teach that even in speaking. So I, I teach not only singing, but even speaking people who are professional orators and learning how to use their voice. We had um, a person come to me who was, you know, working on campaign trail. And out there, like, soliciting camp and doing rallies and, like, at the end of every rally, I'm losing my voice. So I taught him how to use his diaphragm and how to really use that microphone and how to speak in a particular way so that he's still able to project and still able to get that hypeness, but it's not so strenuous on the vocal cords. And then he was like, oh, did a rally and I can still talk later. Like, exactly. Because it's how you utilize your body, you mm. know, and understanding that your body is a machine. These microphones are machines. They're tools. So... My goal is to help everyone do what they want to do, but do it at the best.
0: And I love what you're saying also, because that highlights another thing I wanted to bring up, which is you don't just work with youth. Right. So I think when I first um, learned about your organization, my brain just automatically assumed, kids. oh, you you focus on kids Mm because, you know, we need arts programs and young people. And then I was looking on your website, doing my research, and I happened to see someone I knew. Oh. Yes. Someone I actually went to college with. Wow. And I was like, wait a minute. They're grown. <laughs> and I've known them since college. Um, they had, and, and they were, a, a, from what I understood, they had been doing music because I used to listen to them sing mm-hmm. and play the guitar. Uh, Ray Fukuda. Oh, my heart and soul. Listen, I wonderful, beautiful, amazing voice, wonderful talent. And they're one of the testimonials on your website. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at the website and I was like, "Wait a minute, I know them!" And I was super excited, and I was like, "I have to know," Mm -hmm. because you said you started off working with young people. Mm -hmm. What made you want to include adults? Well, well? I didn't start off
1: working with young people. I started off teaching. So I was singing at um, on the praise team at Crenshaw Christian Center, and people saw me there, and they would. And I was at the time like twenty five. Oh, so young. long before you
0: had already started working with mm-hmm. adults.
1: Yeah, I started people say, can you vocal coach me? Can you teach me? So I, I've been working with all ages. And um, even now, like my day starts, I usually start with students who are overseas on Zoom. So I start with them. And then I have my octogenarians. <laughs> so my oldest student, he just turned 80. So he comes for his piano lessons. Oh, and wow. then I had another woman, she's in her sixties, I think, and she came for her lesson and she came right after, um, she, he, I was finishing up with him when she came and she said, that made me feel so comfortable to come in and see him taking his lesson. So I have quite a few of about 10 people that I teach every week who are over 70 and they come and they're doing piano lessons. And it really helps especially when you get to be that age because we have a lot of the deterioration happening mm-hmm. and the dementia and all that so playing the piano really helps and with them it's about you know because as an adult you're used to like your brain firing quick and you get older and your brain is not firing so quickly so there's a lot of frustration involved and um like one of my neighbors just came to me and she was like can you teach my dad because he's he's like kind of getting in a space where his memory's losing And so I started you know I go to his house because she's my neighbor so I go to his house Go to his house every Monday morning and, you know, we're working with him and he just gets so frustrated because he's like 82. And I'm like, OK, Mr. Roger, we can take your time. Take your time. Go slow. Be patient with yourself. And him learning how because we're, we're so much like musculoskeletal things connecting the brain with the fingers and making the brain work. But when they're older, they think they know stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So but just being patient with them and teaching them to be patient with themselves as they transition into this next part of life. It's literally the same as teaching the little kids, you know, and teaching them to be still and stop squirming around and be responsible, you know. And with the older ones, it's like, be patient. You're not where you were. We're in a different part of our life, but we can still do this. So
0: what are some of the other personal benefits? You talk about patience. What are some of the other personal benefits to learning an instrument or learning how to perform?
1: I think it's just the self-gratification when you have a goal that you set for yourself. Um, There's a term that people use for me. It's like celebrity vocal coach. I personally do not like that term um, because to me, everybody's a celebrity, you know, whether you've seen fame or not, you know, your personal goal might not be to be the next Beyonce. Your personal goal might just to be able to sing happy birthday and not sound horrible. And when you accomplish, you know, when a student accomplishes that goal, they're like, oh, snap, I just sounded good, you know? It's like <laughs> we have a big celebration. That that gives me as much joy as seeing a student, you know, at the Grammys or seeing someone do that because they still accomplish their goal. Because you students, actually have
0: Grammy award-winning students. We have Grammy award-winning
1: students, and we have The Voice students, and we have students that, that have gotten signed to labels and deals, and they've done all that, you know? But we also have students who one of um, – One came to me, she specifically sought me out because she wanted to go to my alma mater, Berklee College of Music. So she was in the 10th grade and I said, okay, we're going to work and get you in. And so when she got her, she was so excited. She's like, "Miss Tanisha, I got in, I got in. You know, and that to me is as huge of accomplishment as
0: winning a Grammy because that was her goal. So it sounds like what also motivates you Mm -hmm. is your students accomplishing whatever it is they set out to do. Exactly. Exactly. That's a mark of an excellent teacher. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I love that. So you are also your organization, Whitehall Arts Academy, was one of our CD8 community-based organization grant recipients. Mm -hmm. So how has that grant been helpful for your foundation?
1: It's really been helpful in helping us to be able to, number one, like really square up with our with our staff and our programs because, you know, programs cost about a hundred something thousand dollars a year when it comes to with staff and materials and all that. So having that support really, you know, helps us to be able to not have to write 500,000 other grants and, you know, to get that funding in or, you know, me having to try to figure out some other hustle to get that money. So it's like, yeah, we can kind of rest. We have this support. Um, we also last year for the first time we did our or a block party called Rock the Block, where we shut down 54th Street from 4th to 7th Ave. And it was just, it was, it came to me as like a 10-year a celebration when we hit 10 years in the pandemic at 2021. Um, but 2021 turned into 2022. So we ended up doing it last summer. And it was so amazing. It was just our love letter to the city. It's a free community festival and it's very expensive, but it's very worth it. And we had you know, what I feel we did that sets us apart from a lot of the other community festivals is we really focused on families and youth. So there was no smoking, there was no drinking, and we had a giant huge kids zone, you know, with multiple jumpers and like a ton of stuff and and arts and crafts and really focused on things for the kids and youth to do. And it was like, you know, being coming, growing up not in L.A., like from the East Coast and all that, we'd have block parties. And that's what it would be like, a family thing, a family festival. And we do have vendor booths and stuff there, but they're only focused on services, you know, tutoring companies and, and different things like that. So you can learn about all these different services that are available, which I feel most people don't know. This is such a big city that there's so many great offerings. And all these little businesses are kind of quasi-struggling because how do you get the word out in such a huge right. city? And then parents, I have so many parents coming to me like, do you know a tutor? Do you know this? Do you do know? And I'm like, yeah, so-and-so, 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 so, you know, because we're being where we are for so long. We're very connected to the other organizations. So I was like, if we just have everybody here, then people can come. And now they're like, oh, wow, you know, and being able to connect with all these different services. So that's what we do and just providing that, what I call like a love letter to our neighborhood Park Mesa Heights, which is very different than Leimert Park or very different from Inglewood Market Street. And just celebrating what we have, because 54th actually has, you know, we have schools there, we have tutoring companies, computer lab, art gallery, us, like there's so much has blossomed on 54th Street that people just don't. Know about so we I really wanted to take the opportunity to just highlight that great work that we're all doing and so this year we're going to do it again and um, with some amazing support from our councilman um, helping us to shut down the street again and um, Metro has come on as a partner to help us and Providence Healthcare is going to be there doing screenings that are that really affect our community like colorectal cancer screenings and hypertension screenings because my thing is I just want people to have a great life. And whatever I can do to help your life be better, because God has blessed me with so many people that help my life be great, you know? So I believe in the pit for it because I could have just took my great life and, you know, moved to the valley and, you know, did that. But it's like, why? When I can help other people have a better life and help to lift somebody up.
0: And you're also creating resources and spaces Mm -hmm. for everybody. So resources for the community and also make sure the businesses that exist have people coming into their doors? Exactly, exactly. So that's beautiful. We all, I feel like we all come up together. Absolutely. You know, and
1: there's, and I truly believe that there's space for all of us. Like even, um, like I said, our other music organization in a two mile radius, like Fernando Pullum Community Arts Center, we have students. Our students, like we share students. You know, mm-hmm. and um, people call up, it's like, oh, do you teach jazz band or horns? I do not. We do not teach that. Cause why? Why do I need to teach that when Fernando's so good at it, right? (laughs) Right. And he's right there. So if you wanna do horns and jazz band, please go there. Tell him I sent you, say hi. Um, if and you they want...
0: performed at some of our events, and they're great. They're awesome. Absolutely. They're
1: awesome. And, like, again, we share a lot of the same students And um, because it's like what they focus on, I don't need to focus on that. We focus on contemporary and classical music. We focus more on individual performer development. We started a choir last year because um, me, of course, being a singer, that's my focus, and that's my expertise, right? So it's like we have our choir. We have this. They have a jazz band. That's his focus. And and I feel like there's space, and we, we work to collaborate um, we just started collaborating with Inner City Youth Orchestra, um, L.A. and Chuck Dickerson. And because and, I have a student who's a young composer and he, he's coming to me with this stuff. And I was like, time out. <laughs> I hit up Chuck and I was like, I got somebody for you, you know. And so we've been kind of collaborating with that because guess what? This is what Chuck does for a living. Like I know conducting, I know, you know, I, I studied it in college, but I don't do it. But there's a whole organization right there. And that's what they focus on. You I, know? I love that you guys are
0: a network. Yeah. So you guys can, I like what you said. You said 2011, it was an arts desert, but now so you guys many. created a network. Because I think it was like 2011, 2012 when
1: Iceola started. And I, like I said, there there was this this kind of bubbling in the water that happened. And those of us that got in, you know, we got in and we helped to, again, even the playing field and and open open the space for all the other ones that have grown up, you know, since then, which I love it. I love it because to me, it's not about me and what I'm doing. It's about the lives of the people in this community. And even if, you know, what I'm doing, is time for me to transition or pivot into something else. Then God is going to light that square up. Right. Absolutely. But for right now, this is what we're doing. And I love it. You know, I, I teach because. That's my passion. It's not my. It's not my side hustle. It's not like I'm teaching while I'm not on tour. Or I'm teaching while I'm focusing on my recordings. Like I really love teaching and I love nurturing our community and nurturing, you know, these lives and just that's what God showed me. Like in 2009, is being a nurturer is my gift. Music is my skill, but being a nurturer is my gift. And He created this space. So that I have a safe space to use my gift. And that's all that that's all that, that is. I love that.
0: I absolutely love that. Which explains why you're such an excellent educator and why you feel something when they're successful in what they want. Mm-hmm. Not just what you want. Because I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes you can say, Well, I want to be known as this great academy that gets all these next Beyoncés and gets all but You, when I looked at the testimonials, all the testimonials were different on your website. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like, for example, I was saying, like, my friend Ray. Yeah. Ray's goal was to just be more confident because Ray was already a musician and a (laughs) singer.
1: Right. Well, Ray came to me, and I know I can speak on this because he's given me permission, but, you know, Ray came to me as, um, when he was transitioning Mm -hmm. and was like, you know, I'm starting to, you know, transition and I'm working with my voice and, you know, and he helped. So we really worked, you know, to transition you know, his mm-hmm. voice and you know, it was it was there was tough times and good times and whatever, but you know, as as his body was transitioning, we kind of worked and there's different things that we had to do. And I remember um one time I was like, all right, look at you sounding all mannish and stuff, okay, you know, <laughs> because that was our goal, you know, yes. and it was like okay, look at you. I don't hear no type of high notes in there, you know? (laughs) Um, And and I love it. And that's what it's, what it's about is accomplishing that goal and and nurturing, nurturing Ray as he transitioned into this new space in life. And even emotionally, you know, because sometimes you come into lessons and you have a bad day and it's happened a lot in the pandemic, you know, it's not just about the music. It's about the life. Right. And the people come in and you could tell when there's something going on. Yes. And especially with all the kids, like well, everybody, when they start the lesson, I'm like, "Tell me your stuff. What's going on with you? How was your week? It was fine. I have this one. He's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. When he's seen him on the Zoom, and he's very introverted. and He's very shy and quiet. And I'm like, "How was your week? Fine. I was like, You already know that. Don't work with me. Tell me your stuff. What's going on? Okay. And his mom. Now he's like 23, 24. His mom will be like, When you see him this week, can you please go? You know, da 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 da, and get on him because he's not in his. You know, blah, blah blah. So I'm like, Tell me your stuff. What's going on with school? And you da da da. I'm like are you sure you're studying? Because I don't know. I'm feeling like, okay, Miss Nisha, well, I could put more into, you know, (laughs) but it's like becoming, you know, that's just who I am. Because again, being a nurturer, being a mom, you know, and I'm in my kid's stuff, (laughs) you know, because that's as a mom. And again, it takes a village and we've lost so much of that with all this propaganda and all this stuff, you know, and like I've told my kids, teachers, like if you, if my kid is acting up, you call me now. You have if you need to snatch my kid up or do whatever, because you're part of this village. And if I trust you as a human and I know that you're coming from a, from a right space, then I trust that you're going to discipline my child, not from a place of evil or abuse. You're going to discipline my child from a place of love and want him to get better. Right. You know, because sometimes you need to get smacked upside the head. Sometimes you need a smack. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes <laughs> okay. you need to get smacked. Sometimes you need a hug. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. a, a smack can be a hug, depending on who does it and how you do it. Right? Because I'd be like, what is What's wrong with you? Are you tripping? You know, but sometimes, you know, it's like, I can tell something's not good. So to me, that's part
0: of making you be greater. You know, I think um, what you're saying hit me pretty hard in a positive way in that, your space is more than just a space for, like I said earlier, the technical skills around instrumentation and things like that. And just, you know, because any any school can just, here's some skills, here's a job, you mm-hmm. know, in the future, hopefully, right? Right. It's also a space of connection and community, mm-hmm. right? And that's an important aspect of learning. It's mm-hmm. an important aspect of building your confidence. Right. It's an Of being a person. Being, and that was, that's the exact <laughs> word I was going to say. Important aspect of being able to feel human, mm-hmm. um, and being able to support someone, even through their transition, mm-hmm. that's heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, being able to support a student who may be struggling in school, or a parent who's struggling with their child who's going struggling in school, right? Mm-hmm. To support that family in that way, even if it seems small, just right. to check up on their child, right? That's a lot for some parents to be able just to have that extra person, especially in a community like ours, Mm -hmm. because just that extra step. I know for me, having those programs that I was in, you know, to check up on me, to to give my parents that support Mm -hmm. in a community where so much is going on around us. Right. We need that extra mentor. We need that extra love. We need that extra connection. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you built a space where the community, yeah, it's about the music and the skills and all the learning that's important, but It can't be absent of the love of the community. Right. And you've created that. Thank you for that. You will. And thank you for what you're doing. (laughs) That's why I'm so glad you are our South LA highlight. Tell us a little bit about any classes you have that you want to let the listeners know about and any other upcoming programs. Now you said Rock the Block is coming up. Is there anything else coming up? Are there any programs you want to make sure that the listeners know about? So we have
1: Rock the Block on Sunday, July 30th from 12 to 5, 54th Street. Come out. It's going to be fun. Um, We have our summer program starting. We're having our first collaboration with um, CBG Arts and Brandon Rainey. So we did our first play together this past spring, which was awesome. So now we're collaborating with doing our first musical theater summer camp. And that starts June 19th. So you can get information from that on our Instagram. So if you go to Instagram.com slash Whitehall Arts Academy, click on the link in bio. You can get the links to everything. Um, So that summer camp is going to be during the day from like 10 to 3. Um, And it's going to have theater, music, music production, the whole thing. Um, We also have our regular Whitehall Arts Academy group classes, which are on Saturdays. So that information is on our website. You go to whitehallacademy.org and you click on classes. We have two different programs, one program for ages 4 through 12, which is called the Heartbeats program. And then we have our program for ages 13 and up, which also includes adults. And that's Project Mused, where we have music production, songwriting, guitar, piano, all those. So those classes on, on Saturdays, they're hybrid. So um you can, be, you can come in person to Whitehall Arts Academy or you can come through our online portal and you can join the classes online. So that's one of the amazing things that happened in the pandemic is when we went online, a lot of people who left LA were like, oh, wow, we can come back to the program. So then when it was time to shift out of online, we didn't want to isolate those who had started joining us online. So we created this hybrid model, which has been really going well. So we have that always ongoing. We have private lessons. We're in studio Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We're online on Zoom all the other days. Um, Teach pretty much all instruments except horns. Um, We teach piano, guitar, voice, uh, what else? Drums, music production, songwriting, anything that has to do with commercial music. Um, Commercial and classical music violin strings teach all of that Um, again in person Tuesday Thursday Saturday other days are available on zoom. I think that's about it that we have like on the horizon right now just getting through summer. Getting ready for Rock the Block, which is huge. So if there's anybody listening that you have a, a an organization or like a business that is a service business and you would like to participate in Rock the Block, please contact us. You can call our number, go to our website, whitehallacademy.org. You can call or you can email us, mail at whitehallacademy.org, or you can go to the rock the block. Website, which is rocktheblockla.com, and you can um, click on Communicate. There's a thing you can say, ask a question or something on that website. Um, but just get in contact with us or through our Instagram. I do not run the Instagram account, so don't try to think if you're talking to somebody, you're talking to me. It's not me. But um, please communicate with us through our Instagram account. We're very active on that. Again, it's Instagram slash Whitehall Arts Academy follow that's where all the information always is for um for what we're doing
0: okay sounds great all this information and more will be in our show notes so don't worry if you didn't write it all down because you're driving because you guys are you know listen to a podcast people will be doing washing dishes and everything else (laughs) so don't worry it's in the show notes you can just click the links and i'll have all that available for you and we will also be tagging them on instagram so make sure you're following us on instagram at mhdcd8 and we'll be tagging them so don't worry if you didn't catch it you'll you'll find them thank you again tanisha you are amazing your organization your foundation your classes all of it's amazing i appreciate you for what you're doing thank you for being our south la highlight
1: thank you so much I appreciate this space and come
0: down oh I'm checking it out don't don't even trip you get a free lesson on me oh I She's like, sing, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I want to sing happy birthday. So okay, we that's, got you. that's me. I want to be the person that learns how to sing happy birthday. So if you could teach me how happy birthday, we got, birthday, you. We got you. And, and I want to know how to do a harmony. So if you could teach me that, but happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. You want to get the note. <laughs> yeah, I want to get the note, and I want to be able to harmonize with somebody. Okay, I got you. I used to, I used to do when I was in choir back in the day, but you know, I'm a little rusty. So dude. the
1: vision is a Ray siobhan duet. oh
0: okay. <laughs> I'm going to hit up right so Tanisha said <laughs> but thank you again and I, I really can't wait to check out your organization um in person I did get to hear your, you guys at our event our reimagine event where we celebrated our CDA community grantees um. but I would love to check out uh, you guys in person at your space so yes. I can't wait you gotta come thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record and special thank you to Felicia, the poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Leimert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe and share with a friend.